Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 126 for Monday, February 1st, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny, but you probably know him better as PixelRefs. Hello, sir. Hello! Yeah, we've had a, a really great discussion in our pre-show this week about what Joel has been playing lately on his brand new Xbox Series X and a little bit about the Marvel Universe thrown in there for good measure. If you're interested in hearing some more about that, you can get the extended conversation by signing up to our Patreon. Patreon.com slash The Spawn Chunks will get you access to our community and the render distance. Speaking of our community, I want to give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons who participated in the Q4 2020 quarterly hangout recorded this past Saturday on the weekend. That is where Johnny and I hang out once a quarter to discuss how the podcast is doing, download numbers, YouTube stuff, uh, where we're going to take the show in the future, that kind of thing. That recording should be on the patron only RSS feed now. So it should show up in your favorite podcaster or, or podcatcher, excuse me. Uh, and uh, you should have access to that on the Patreon page if you are a patron. Yeah, and it was great fun just to uh, run down all of those facts and figures. There's some uh, some surprises in there as well. So hope you guys who were able to uh, listen in enjoy going back through and, and folks who weren't able to make it to the chat, hope you uh, enjoy going through that stuff because we, we put a lot of effort in behind the scenes uh, into figuring out where the show is going and stuff. So hopefully that's enjoyable for all of you. But let's get into the fun stuff for everybody else, Joel. What have you been doing in Minecraft this week? So I have been working on uh, the keep, the medieval keep in the medieval area on the Citadel. And it, this has been weeks. I think I, I'm on, I, I, I name my, my VODs on Twitch. I think I'm on 11 and it's just this particular building. So it's been mm -hmm. many, many hours so far. Uh, but things are starting to come together. We're now into the part where we're putting roofs on things. We're making sure hallways match up and, and flow into one another. Uh, I've completed the wall around the outside of the keep, uh, taking that all the way down to the ground in most places. And, and it's starting to feel a lot more like a cohesive build, less like a framed structure with like, this will look good when it's done. And I think I know what that's going to look like and all that kind of thing. And there's been some happy accidents along the way. There's been some towers that have been added and then have been um, raised to be twice as high as they were originally. There's been a tower that's been removed slash transformed into... Uh, either a barracks or maybe like a servant's quarters or something. And the end result has been that it now looks a lot more like a complex. It looks a little bit more like a, a series of buildings within a wall as opposed to just one building with a wall around it. And mm -hmm. um, I've been really happy with it. Uh, I'm also running into some issues with lighting. It's it's kind of shone that light on the I don't want my build to be covered in carpet or covered in torches yet I also don't want creepers dropping on me from above. Cue the heart attack I had on stream the other day. Um, mm -hmm. It was it didn't blow up on me, but I jumped out of my chair. <laughs> like it was it was priceless. Uh, so yeah, I just I've been I've done some things with the rafters where I've put buttons on them to keep them from being spawnable, and you can't see the buttons because the, the rafters are what. 20 blocks above your head yeah so like you sure, can, sure so it's fine um I, I even i even put redstone dust there knowing that it has no profile and you can't see it from any angle and it still bugged me so i went up and i put i put buttons there it just it was one of those things like redstone dust in, in the in the rafters just kind of it felt wrong so mm -hmm. so yeah so i'm running into that kind of stuff um but the thing that i'm really happy about with this build is that i'm making sure that staircases lead to second floors that Sometimes even I can get, if I've got a wall and I've got a battlement, I want access. Like, where do you go up to that? Where is the staircase for that? Is it in the tower? Is it 
Uh, is it next to the tower? Do you have multiple ways to get in and out of a building? Uh, which we do. And uh, that to me has been the real kind of point of pride with this is that I've been designing it sort of from the inside out, right? So that you always have room to flex and do some things. And yeah. best decision I made was making the walls of the main keep three blocks thick. Because yeah. it has allowed for some seriously nice design things like deep windows. Um, the, the front door has got like a recessed part to it. Like there's, it's, it's really worked out quite well. Yeah, I was I was doing some more building in the museum uh, on my streams this week, and I had a couple of people ask me like, "Why are you leaving a gap between the walkway, the sort of you know path around the biome exhibit that I'm planning right now, and the neighboring room? Like, there's like a, basically a strip of grass between the the path and the wall." And I said, "It's because I plan on expanding the wall outwards, and if I don't leave myself space to do that, I'm not going to be able to put any detail into it whatsoever." And a one block thick wall, even though. As we've discussed previously on the show, that's still a meter thick, which seems unrealistic by, you know, real life standards. But in Minecraft terms, you can't really do much thinner. So I, I really need to leave myself the space. And it's it's very smart to do that ahead of time, especially with a build like this, where you know that you're mostly working with the same block palette. It's mainly kind of stone and wood kind of stuff. So you need depth to really register any kind of detail in what you're building. Otherwise, from a distance, it's all going to look plain and flat. Yeah, and I'm I'm struggling now with the proportions where I want this to look like a big important build, but I I built the front gate to the town and the rear gate to the town before I built this thing, and so I'm trying to make sure it at least rivals those things. Yeah, and and even though it's farther away, like the front gate is always going to look bigger because it's the first thing that you see. You're going to be closer to it, right? But I'm trying to make sure that this gets enough. I don't want to say decoration but it has enough oomph i guess or enough of a unique silhouette or or it looks to be um not necessarily larger but has a different more important vibe to it i'm hoping the it's, wall it's got to have like it. it's got to have presence it's got to yes. have like gravitas yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 so and the, the thing that I'm, I'm i know that's missing from the build right now and that's because of my lack of knowledge in this area in minecraft is that i want to hang some banners like i want to make a custom banner for like the faction or, or town or something uh and and um i don't i haven't gotten that far yet so i haven't added any color at all and i'm not a fan of like making flags out of wool blocks you see that a lot in in builds like this and it's not the right scale for me like i've made this player scale and so flags like that just don't really work that well mm -hmm. and so uh i'm going to put like a banner of some sort i'm not sure what i'm going to come up with but i'd like to hang them like you know on either side of the door i'm just thinking of all the stuff that i've seen in like lego castles growing up um yeah yeah there's a spot for a map wall inside the main hall which i think should be really cool um i'll do you know traditional minecraft um map of the area and just hope that i can find a way to center it in that because i haven't paid attention to where i've been building these as far as a map goes so i don't know what it's actually going to look like um but it, it could be it could be interesting to see what what we can come up with um i think i think in the same way that there should be or i say should you know that there is a a gap in minecraft builders sort of uh, library of things to put in where like a three block wide door would be really handy mm -hmm. for certain larger builds so you don't have to put like a single or double door you could have a door that was it opens on one side but is three blocks wide um 
for for you know castle gates and stately homes and that kind of thing i feel like there is also a gap in the in the the palette for a three block wide and four block tall banner <laughs> i think mm-hmm. that that would be so good considering like you know you can fit a lot of detail onto these one by two banners but if you want something that really scales to the size of a castle without having to build your 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 banner out of blocks manually and still getting the same level of detail with the different shapes and stuff that you can add to it the different heraldic elements for a mm-hmm. banner i think it would it would really be nice to have something that that fit over more like a three by four space i have a trick actually for that that three wide door that works quite well uh if you can let your brain forgive some math so you create the three wide door opening and then you use either doors or trap doors i used spruce trap doors because they work quite well together uh to create open doors on either side and you make both of those doors two blocks long and Mm -hmm. like say three blocks tall and so if you ever close them they would overlap in the middle by a block so it wouldn't make sense like that's not how a real door would be designed but when you're walking through if they're both open your brain doesn't doesn't really look at it it just kind of looks at it and goes like yeah those look wide enough to close over this opening and then you just kind of go on and, yeah. and I found it's been a nice cheat because I I really don't like two wide builds or two like mm-hmm. two block centered builds. It, d- it does drive me a little bit nuts sometimes uh, because of the need for a door or um, the the I guess easy way to design things inside in Minecraft where you want to usually have things like a table in the center, you know that kind of stuff. Um, that's that's a lot easier on a single wide um, single centered build. So what uh, what you mentioned you've been working on the survival guide uh, museum like has has there been much progress there? Yeah, um I'm still working on the exhibit about all of the different biomes and for the sake of simplicity I have omitted some of the ones which are just like terrain variants of the same thing. So like I've not done I've I've done a forest biome diorama, but I haven't done one for forest hills, forest hills M, you know, all of the kind of the, mm-hmm. the extra bits and pieces. But then a flower forest is going to be significantly different. I've basically been restricting it to anywhere that you can find unique blocks or items that you can't really find anywhere else. And so I have now about 12 or 13 of these built, uh, and it goes from plains through to swamp and jungle and savannah and uh, a couple of mesa biomes, and I've left some larger plots for the biomes that I really can't avoid putting in a larger scale. So things like mountains, for example, like just putting down some stone and gravel and a couple of grass blocks is not really going to say mountain in the same way that building something that actually has terrain uh, is going to be. Um, But so far, a lot of the other biomes have fit into 5 by 15 plots. And five blocks wide is not quite enough to contain some of the larger trees, thinking specifically of stuff like jungle and acacia trees that have a much mm-hmm. broader crown to them. Uh, but I've, I managed to basically trim those down a little bit, so they do get cut off, but it still gives the same impression from ground level, which is where most people are going to be observing these things from. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with them so far. My most recent one was reproducing an ice spikes biome with one smaller and one of those sort of Empire State Building looking, uh, you know, spires of ice. And I, I really like the way that one came together. To get the most accurate picture of these possible, I actually went around with the replay mod 
and recorded a bunch of footage from each biome. I would have just taken a bunch of screenshots, but I also wanted to do something for an element to have for the video. And I play that back while I'm working on the biomes so that I can see exactly what's there. And there's some stuff that pops out of that that surprises me, like the fact that on a regular plains you have five or six different types of flowers that grow there naturally, but then if you go to an ice plains, which is effectively just a plains biome covered in snow with different trees, you still only get dandelions and poppies, for example. So that's that's the kind of detail I want to go into, making sure that each biome diorama has a good spread of the kind of stuff that you will find there without going into stuff like structures because obviously in a 5x15 plot I'm not going to be able to fit in like examples of a plains village or something like that and I'm really going for what you can be guaranteed to find if you go to that biome so yeah I'm, I'm having fun with it it's it's a fun little project um one thing I did run into at one point was the fact that the uh the plots I had laid out I had one left over that was probably going to be for an ocean that I just didn't think the oceans were different enough that I needed to lay that out, but it would make the exhibit kind of uneven. What I ended up doing was creating a a viewing area for the side of the ocean exhibit, and this is set into the floor so that you can see, you know, you're, you're standing on the shore of this ocean and it goes maybe five or six blocks down with kelp growing up and stuff. What I ended up doing was digging a hole next to that and having effectively like an aquarium style glass wall <laughs> that you could just look at this nice. from the side and then you get to see all of the, the kelp and seagrass up close. And you can imagine like parents sort of standing back while kids are like pressing their noses up to the glass to see if they can spot a fish, that kind of thing. So I'm, I'm having fun with it. It's going really well so far. Are you going to do the same thing on the opposite side of what looks like a hallway here in the really cool screenshot that you shared with our, our live listeners for like a coral reef? Same idea, like you can go down yeah. and yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely want to do that. And the, the coral reef is going to have a little bit more detail you can see from the surface, thanks to the fact that it's going to be lit by sea pickles as right. well. Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, it is going to be nice to have a few elements like that thrown in and yeah the 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 back row that i have yet to complete is some of the more interesting biomes of the lot it's things like flower forests mushroom fields warm ocean the ice spikes that i've done and yeah there's there's a few others that i'm really looking forward to getting stuck into building this week um outside of that in the rtx series i just raided a bastion <laughs> for the first time which okay. was uh, something that I was a little bit worried about, but it went better than I expected, mainly because I don't think Piglin Brutes hit nearly as hard on Bedrock Edition as they do on, on Java. Um, but there was a Treasure Bastion really close to my spawn point as I came into the Nether for the first time. I found that long before I've, I haven't even found a, a Nether Fortress yet. So I, I basically decided that's the priority as far as exploring the Nether goes, is to get geared up and raid one of these for the treasure. Found myself a good bit of loot, but just seeing anything in Minecraft RTX uplit by lava is really impressive to begin with, but the scale of the bastions and the fact that everything is bathed in this, you know, really intense orange light from the lava pool at the bottom of the world, it is really quite special. And you, you sort of feel the atmosphere, you feel the heat a lot more, even though there's no sort of heat haze effect rising off the lava or anything, it still feels pretty intense being in there. And having that kind of red glow on all of the the piglins <laughs> as you're running around there so I, I managed to escape with a decent amount of gold and a little bit of uh, diamond loot and ancient debris 
and yeah, had a, had a good time raiding the Bastion. I, I think I'm probably going to end up incorporating it into a nether hub when I continue that series. So I'm nice. looking forward to doing some more with that. Any plans with the, uh, I'm assuming it's a magma cube spawner? Yeah, I, I think that's probably going to end up being a long-term farm. And I've mm. got some farm designs that I'm not certain I'll have to test in Bedrock. I'm not certain if they work because I built them in Java initially. But uh, yeah, Magma Cubes in Bedrock Edition are more difficult. It kind of balances out the Piglin Brute because when they split up for the first time, they bounce around really fast. And a lot of the time that can you know that leads to very unpredictable movement if you're used to the slightly more kind of sedate movement of magma cubes on java they right. calm down after a few bounces but they're really tricky to handle up close so uh yeah i'm I'm a little bit worried about <laughs> getting the magma cube spawner sorted out but i i will i will probably do it at some point because it's too good an opportunity to pass up at this point yeah man i mean that it looks great and and i can only imagine the the level of immersion that rtx and the nether no matter where you are, just kind of brings to the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the The only problem is the uh, the level of obscurity it brings to my YouTube videos <laughs> because the uh, <laughs> the the extra fog and all of the extra kind of like the light and darkness provides such a a contrast that YouTube has trouble processing a lot of the darker and foggier areas. And yeah. uh, people are having I, I'm I'm encouraging people to watch in 4K or as close to 4K as your system can allow because otherwise it's just going to be compressed to all hell. And yeah, I feel bad about that, but there's not really a whole lot I can do beyond boost the gamma a little bit when i edit the video uh sidebar dude i just realized that i can tune into your youtube videos on my new tv <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> well I, there's going to be some rtx watching happening in the near future um speaking of the new tv by the way uh i didn't spend a lot of time but i spent some time in minecraft dungeons this week which hey, um, everybody on back. the show is just like what what joel did what um keep in mind that i haven't returned to dungeons since i did not could not complete uh, my first attempt at the final boss in the the main game playthrough, uh, the Arch Illager, uh, and I've I like it. I do want to play the game, but um, at the moment, cross saves are not live yet, so I can't bring all of the stuff that I've done, bring another character or whatever to the Xbox and play it. Uh, that's okay because there's a number of people that I want to play with on the Xbox that are new to the game in general, and I would prefer to start a new character with them anyway, so it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, however, I did just kind of like open it up. I'll just poke around in this and see what happens. You know, 45 minutes later, uh, I'm still going through Creeper Woods, and uh, there's a little bit of an aim assist that happens with the bow and arrow. It's not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, they're, um, obviously, it's really smooth and really fun. Um, for a challenge for myself to make it really interesting and get the most out of the little window I had to play, I took the difficulty level up to like whatever the max was, like three or something. Um, going into like Creeper Woods for the first time with like nothing but a pair, like a, I had a, a firecracker rocket and a fission rod and I think a sword that did 16 damage. So like I died once, which was surprising. I was expecting more. Creepers are serious business on difficulty three. Mm -hmm. Like it'll one shot you. If you're not careful, it's uh, it was pretty impressive the, the number of mobs and stuff that are out there. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, the one thing that I find I'm curious about this with you, and that's why I bring it up because um, I of course play on the PC, or most of my playtime has been on the PC with a mouse point and click to shoot the bad guys sort of idea. Uh, this is my first time playing Dungeons with a controller, and now this could be the other games I'm playing. Uh, but 
I always hit X to try and swing my sword. Mm-hmm. Always. That's not the right button. Yeah. <laughs> the, bu- the button is A. Uh, and in platformers, A is jump. And in, yeah. my, in, in other games like Batman, A is jump and X is punch. And in Ori, X is your attack button. So I don't know whether I'm just programmed by the other two games that I've been playing or whether it just makes more sense to have the X button be the, the swing your sword button in Minecraft. However, the artifact buttons, which are uh, X, Y, and B across the top of your controller, make total sense in terms of mm-hmm. like, yes, that's where I would want those to be. So I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should customize the controller and switch it to X for, for sword or whether I should, I should just leave it and try to get used to it. Did you change anything about your default controller setup in Dungeons? I did not, and I I appreciate that it is a little difficult to get the hang of using a controller for the first time, especially if yeah you've been used to mouse and keyboard. Where I think is it space to roll? I think there's there's something along those lines. Um, so it, yes, yeah. So yeah. it it feels like you know maneuverability wise, it's not that different to Minecraft, even though there is no jumping in Minecraft dungeons. Like the only the only thing you can really do is roll. Uh, and yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm more used to that arcadey style of gameplay and. Yeah, it did get me. It, it took me a little while to get used to it, and I'd probably be a little bit rusty if I went back into it right away. But I think it's the kind of thing that just with a couple of play sessions, you'll you'll get used to it. But um, yeah, I mean, if the opportunity is there to to rebind your controls, then uh, worth giving it a go. The thing that I find tricky with the rolling and the controller is um, one of them is like you have to depress the directional stick. I think, like the left joypad. Um, because you can roll in the direction you're facing, or there's a di- like, or you can roll. Yeah, if if you if you, the press, you the, press the button, the bumper rolls whatever direction you're facing, and then I think it, you can move the right stick to roll in a different direction. So you can you can dodge roll in different directions if you're using the stick that way. Right. But I never bothered with that. Right. I never found the dodge roll like so useful that i would need to dodge backwards while i was facing forwards like i just didn't yeah. get into the movement of it that much i was too busy hitting stuff the um, other, yeah the other thing that i realized is that on the on the keyboard and mouse setup you have to i think it's shift and shift allows you to stay in place while yeah, you swing you, your sword right? you root yourself in, yeah. in one spot yeah you don't need that in the controller mm-hmm. right i was just like how come I can't, like, I took, I was like 15 minutes trying to figure out, like, where's the root button? Like, how come I can't? And I realized, oh, dummy, you don't need it <laughs> because yeah. you're not clicking around the screen to move, right? As well as clicking on enemies. And so that once I kind of wrapped my head around a couple of different things, uh, it was, it was really, really cool. Obviously with, you know, the new TV and, and, and the Xbox Series X, like it's, it's very pretty. Uh, and um, still run into some stuff where like, I would wish, that the way that you go under tree cover would be different. I would prefer yeah. to see myself rather than the silhouette. Um, but those are all things I've talked about on, about the game before. But I, I'm looking forward to maybe... That, I mean, that might be the new home for Minecraft Dungeons for me. Like, I think I might prefer the couch experience. Uh, with the exception, of course, whenever I want to stream it for something different on Twitch. Uh, but that's where I'm hoping the cross saves will come in and where... I could maybe game for a bit on my own, play on the couch, do whatever. And then the next time I want to stream it, I could just pick up where it left off on the computer. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it's really designed to be a kind of arcade style play on the couch kind of game yeah. to begin yeah. with. And so, you know, as as streamers, we are sort of in the, the, the minority of player base. We'll see. Um, before we get away from Minecraft Dungeons and move into the news, I did want to say that uh, having hung around the Minecraft Dungeons speedrunning community a bit recently, uh, the world record for beating Minecraft Dungeons without the new level skip glitch they discovered recently uh, was broken basically last night. Uh, so the previous record, I believe, was 28 minutes and 32 seconds. Somebody's managed to complete the game now in 27 minutes and 13 seconds. Wow. And uh, if anyone's familiar with the format of, of most speedruns now, they will have a timer that kind of calculates... Uh, the sort of different splits between segments, so like how long it takes them to complete each individual level, and they'll have individual timers for both as well as an overall timer that calculates the length of the run. And um, yeah, like a few a few of those like splits and stuff were like record breaking in themselves. <laughs> it was like the the fastest anyone's ever completed that individual level. But even then, the sum of this speedrunner's best segments still indicates that they could have shaved maybe like a minute or so off of their time. So getting like runs in like the 26 and 25 sort of range, uh, like 25 minutes or so are still possible like it, it they, they've effectively proven that it is doable they've just got to get the the right level geometry to generate when they spawn in for it to be like the fastest possible route through the level wow. it's a really fascinating thing like I, I found myself diving more and more into speed running with minecraft dungeons in particular now that i've been like hosting events and uh, hanging out in their discord a little bit more it's a fun time I'm looking forward to exploring the camp a little bit more now because I've not been back since they've made all the changes to it. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, no, there's, so, there's five villagers there now. <laughs> there's yeah. a, a lot has changed since the first patch. Well, even just the first merchant that I got, uh, I was able to see what he was selling. And so mm-hmm. I bought a glaive in my after completing Creeper Woods. Like, that's a win. I'll take that because it took me forever to get one of those in the my first playthrough. Uh, mm-hmm. And I like them. They're one of my favorite weapons. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, no, they're, yeah. They're very, very fun to use, those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make a really good swish sound. I know it's a weird thing to kind of glom onto, but like, I just, I really like the swing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, like the 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 combination of sound design and like some of the effects they put on that stuff just makes it a very satisfying game to play. Yeah. Um, and I think they've they've really done a great job of making it feel good to to hack your way through Minecraft dungeons. <laughs> it didn't sound so violent. Oh, that's great. Um, moving on into the news. We have a little bit of news coming in from the Bedrock uh, section of Minecraft. We've got copper and lightning rods now in Bedrock Beta. You can find a link to that article uh, on Minecraft.net in our show notes with the full changelog. Notable differences from Java include a 64 block protection radius provided by the lightning rod, which is 32 blocks on Java. Copper can be waxed by right-clicking on it using a honeycomb or using a dispenser loaded with honeycomb. Copper variants can be crafted using a stone cutter, and drowned are now dropping copper ingots instead of gold ingots in Bedrock Edition. Uh, I, how do you feel about this, man? Because I this sounds like good news for everybody. Yeah, um, I'm really hoping we see some of these copper changes and additions in Java. Um, aside from the the points Joel just read, the the copper implementation and uh, the lightning rod are pretty much the same as they are in Java for Bedrock players. And I've not been able to get into the Bedrock beta because my whole setup is now on the the current like full release for RTX stuff, and I don't really want to go switching back and forth. But um, 
yeah, right-clicking to wax an already placed copper block is a big enough quality of life upgrade on its own, but then you can also automate it with dispensers, and that of course means observer-dispenser interaction. If you detect the copper block weathering using an observer, then a dispenser can automatically wax it for you. That's great. That's what we've really wanted for copper from the beginning. Um, and obviously it doesn't necessarily take into account the next stage of weathering, but maybe you have like an observer circuit that waits for two outputs before it, I, I don't know, like, there's there's a couple of different options and my redstone brain is starting to tick over with a lot of it now. Um, automating with dispensers is a godsend and I really hope that ends up in Java. I, I, I think that'd be a really good change and it would surprise me if they didn't because I don't think this is one of those changes that, like, is really going to be helpful specifically for mobile players or the, the other stuff that we see being, you know, a compromise on Bedrock Edition for parity versus just accessibility for the different medium that you play it in, the, dif the different uh, console platform or mobile platform. Um, so I really think I want to see stuff like that in Java. We've got uh, farming ingots from the drowned is something we've mentioned on the show before, uh, and making copper renewable is while I, I've seen some pushback about this, about it being too easy to obtain copper and the idea being that, you know, you want to go caving for copper because they've updated caves and so it's kind of more of an encouragement to go caving. Um, and, you know, you can flood a zombie spawner if you want to to get the drowned. But if you think about it, there's, there's still got to be some level to which copper becomes renewable just for active multiplayer servers the amount of people who are going to be going out looking for copper on a server where everybody wants to build with the new stuff uh you're just not going to be able to find it anywhere near spawn or within a you know a good radius of spawn for a while after a, a server reset so yeah i really think there's an effort reward balance at play and you know maybe if the drowned drop copper a little bit less just to balance it out a little bit less than they do gold but even then it's like making an iron farm with a zombie spawner you can still do it but nobody does because there are better ways of doing it so i'm i'm interested to see what the balance is like for people who play that long term instead of just having a knee-jerk reaction of well farming this means nobody will ever go caving again i yeah i agree i and i think that you know we're Mojang often talks about parity between the two versions. I feel like changes like the drown dropping copper, that's something you could do right now with a data pack, I think, if you wanted to, yeah. right? Like you can no, change totally. the, you can change the uh the drop table for any mob. Um that's how the Skyblock series works, right? Like they do that with yeah, the, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, the drown drop clay in that. The zombies yeah. drop gravel, you know. There's yeah. there's there's some some loot tables you can adjust fairly easily from what I understand. And yeah, yeah it yeah. makes the whole thing a lot more accessible. So, I mean, I would expect these changes to come to Java. I don't, obviously, I don't speak for Mojang, but I mean, I would, I would also imagine, and this is just a joke slash idea, that the PR department <laughs> at Mojang is like, you're going to bring this over, right? You're not going to let this hang and have the uh, Java community come at us, be like, why? Why do they have it over here when not over, over on Java? So I would expect that the parody would probably come through. Um, and I mean, like you can solve that, that, um, it's too easy to get copper problem by just making it like, like you said, l like not a frequent drop, right? Have it drop enough for it to be worth it to make a zombie spawner into a drowned spawner, but not have it be, you know, easy mode, you know? Yeah. Um, I think also when I find a zombie spawner, I think, eh, I mean, if I'm at the very beginning of a game, it might be a little bit of fun XP, but I don't need anything from it. Uh, yeah. I certainly don't know what the heck to do with all the rotten flesh. However, 
uh, spider spawners early game, I really want string. You know, so I'm more than likely going to turn a spider spawner into an XP string farm. You know, you still need spider eyes for certain things. Like there's a lot of stuff that you can get. Uh, same with the skeleton spawner. Bones. Like everybody needs bone meal when you're doing building and farming and all that kind of stuff. So uh, having the zombies or a drowned, excuse me, drop copper and using a zombie spawner to turn it into a drowned spawner, that's not necessarily an early game thing but it's a cool mid game thing and it makes it gives zombie spawners a much higher potential for like oh that's exciting i want one of these now right yeah, it, it, yeah no, it, I, I would agree I, yeah. I always try and go for a skeleton spawner if i have a choice yes <laughs> and so yeah, yeah zo- zombie spawners are kind of bottom of the barrel for me too and so yeah i, th- I think the ability to to waterlog that and you still got to be there to kill the drowned yourself because like player kills are the only things that get those rare drops mm-hmm. so yeah you, you need you need to put a little bit of thought into the way you're going to design that stuff for sure how do you feel about the stone cutter using uh or being used to chop up uh copper blocks See, this is this is the controversial one for me because uh, copper is not stone, uh, and and this is the the first instance we have of the justification for the stone cutter being the stone cutter falling away. And a lot of people have said, you know, why can't we use the stone cutter to cut up wood because they want a better crafting. Uh, what's the word equivalence for stairs um because obviously stairs can be one to one in a stone cutter whereas you're still getting six blocks in for four stairs out when you make stairs out of any other material and now the stone cutter is cutting something other than stone if it's cutting copper that's good because copper as we know is going to be a little bit difficult to get hold of in larger quantities and so you probably don't want to make too many copper stairs if you're getting that same exchange rate uh, for for copper, if you're getting six blocks into four blocks out, you might be a little bit more reticent to make stairs. The stone cutter opens that up, which is great because sometimes you're only going to want to make a couple of stair blocks. But it's also potentially opening up the stone cutter to have the precedent to cut other things. At which point, should it still be called the stone cutter? I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I think it is. It, it's good good gameplay though, right? I think that's that's something we can both agree on. It's it's probably a benefit all around. I would agree. I think it's good gameplay. I don't think it makes a lot of sense in terms of the name of the thing, but yeah. the name of the thing can change. Like, the, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to call it the stone cutter. You could call it the cutter. You could call it the um, I'm, like the buzz saw. You know, the buzz saw. Yeah, you can call it all kinds of stuff. Um, uh, table saw. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a crafting table. You know, maybe we have a, a cutting table. You know, just yeah. to kind of keep with the Minecraft vernacular. Um, I, um, I already use the stone cutter for wood. Uh, we made a, uh, data pack that I'm still in the process of putting the final touches on, uh, on the Citadel using, uh, crafting.thedestruction.ca. I'll have a link in the show notes because destruction is spelt kind of funny. Um, and, uh, it's a WYSIWYG editor online where you can create your own data pack. Uh, you can download it and it's, it made it very easy to, to wrap your head around, um, creating some slightly different crafting recipes. And you don't have to just use the stone cutter. You could use the crafting table. You could use the furnaces, blast furnaces, all that kind of stuff. But what I've done is I've uh, changed the crafting table to be able to use logs or planks of the various types of wood in the game to then pump out the related item. I have changed some recipes because the Citadel, we're a bunch of adults that are very busy and we wanted an easier way to get trapdoors and stairs. So 
it's one-to-one for stairs, which is better than, say, the wood stair recipe that you get in the crafting table. Trap doors are definitely better because six planks in for two trap doors out was not okay with me. Um, so I switched it to one plank equals one trap door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, so that's a little bit of a, of a skew towards, you know, an easier way to get stuff. On the reverse, actually, um, instead of... Um, using uh the exact ratio for doors it's actually more expensive to do doors um, because one log will get you four doors on my data pack and technically you should be getting like a door and uh you should be getting one door for every three blocks or something like that or no two blocks yeah yeah it's, it's like you get three doors out for six blocks in so right. yeah yeah so and so what i've done is I, i've got two doors out for two blocks in. so maybe, maybe it isn't even trade um, anyway, I've always found three doors to be a pain in the butt because I've used mm-hmm. two and then I have an extra door. <laughs> there's, yeah. always an, there's always an extra door in my inventory. It's like, why do, why do I need this? Anyway, I, I don't think it's a stretch. I think a lot of people probably that, that take advantage of data packs on servers are probably doing this anyway um, because outside of the trap door, all I'm doing is making it more convenient. I'm not really changing the ratios. Like slabs are still the same. Planks to, um, to logs are still the same. Uh, I don't do any fences, like nothing like that is in there. So it's all really straightforward. And if you wanted to, you could do the math and just make sure that the ratios coming in are, are, are what's coming, you know, match what's going out, that sort of stuff. Um, but I, I'm curious because copper on the stone cutter makes me wonder like, well, would that mean other metal blocks or other non stone blocks could be on there? Not just wood? Like, mm-hmm. but you know, we don't have variants yet <laughs> of smooth stone, cough, cough, uh, of say iron, you know, it would be cool to have iron stairs, iron slabs. What about, you know, smooth stone stairs and slabs? Um, I think there's some potential there. Again, I think it just opens up this floodgate of like, well, how far down this road are they going to go? Yeah, it's it's the, the slippery slope argument applied to this kind of stuff. And to be honest, I'd be fine with just you know, copper being as it was. Like, I didn't really need the stone cutter functionality to be there, but if they decide to bring that over from Bedrock to Java, then I do think it's going to save people a couple of copper blocks if they just want to make a couple of stairs. I think that's that's a fairly harmless change. We're just overthinking it as we tend to do on the show. Uh, is there anything else we need to cover before we move on from the news? I just wanted to give a quick shout out to an article that just kind of caught my eye on Minecraft.net. And it is uh, about the one map 11 person build team that built divine dreams which is a cumulative effort from the team to create what would look like something uh, that we'd find on top of mount olympus uh it's a beautiful complicated build i can only imagine the kind of communication that would have to happen between the build team to make this possible um uh, there's not really much to say about it uh in terms of like you you can go read the article for yourself but boy, oh boy, is it beautiful. Like, I often struggle with um, building so much gray in my medieval zone, and I feel like it's getting boring, and I'm always trying to struggle to pop things out with a t- terrible term. But, like, you need, you need some contrast in your builds. And they balance some light gray roofs with all the white marble-type texture uh, with a little bit of trees, a little bit of green. Uh, obviously, it's on um, some water and stuff. But like, it is a 
stunning piece of artwork in in Minecraft and I would highly encourage people to check out the show notes look at the divine dreams article on minecraft.net and see what screenshots maybe even some videos you can find of this because my gosh is it pretty yeah uh the thing that always fascinates me about this is that it's all very well looking at all of these lovely renders that people have done and they've they've credited the folks who rendered these screenshots uh, at the bottom of the minecraft.net post but when the build team is working on this, they're still working with the restrictions of normal Minecraft. And so there's going to be render distances to take into account and things fading into the fog and not loading for them when they're working on individual pieces. And so like, they've got to have the vision to think ahead to what it's going to look like as a finished product when you apply all of these you know, lovely rendering techniques and stuff to, to showcase the full build in all its glory. And that itself must be a fairly difficult hurdle to overcome you know not being able to look at the entire thing in the same way that we are as an audience now looking at it i think i think it's it's fascinating the work that goes into this stuff individually and also obviously you know the 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 builders involved know what they're doing <laughs> to the nth degree but it's still yeah just kind of fascinating having to put all of this stuff together without any real knowledge of what the full build is going to look like until they begin the rendering process after it's all done i wonder how much of that is iterative like do you do a couple of renders midway you know do you yeah. do you render out like i wonder if there would be a tool to render out like a, a, a an image of say like one of these large towers in the background and if while you're working you could have like a a projection of that you know, kind of like in the distance or, or, or in the game that's always visible in terms of a wireframe. So even if you can't see all the details, you can still see the silhouette of like, okay, there's where the peak of this tower is. I want to make sure that I'm not blocking that or that I'm framing it correctly and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot more insight too on the um, one map Twitter account. They've had to get, they have that linked in the, in the article as well. I'd encourage people to go check that out. Moving on to emails, uh, if you'd like to email the show and get your email potentially read on a future episode, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. We've got an email here from Prowl, who is a landscape artist member of our Discord, along with a creator in his own right, I believe. And the subject here, following on from last week's discussion, is glow dye. Hey, Pix and Joel, love the latest episode of the podcast. Okay, I love them all. And I have an idea to add some functionality to the glow ink sacks that would be a great addition to the game and I think relevant to this latest snapshot. So glow squids drop these glow ink sacks, which we could then be able to combine with dye of any color to make glow dye of that color. We could could then take that colored glow dye and combine it into either the recipe to create a sea lantern or end rod, or with the sea lantern and end rod itself, uh, turning the sea lantern or end rod block model that color and having it emit that shade of light. I think using only these two blocks for this functionality makes sense. Since these light sources are white, it would make sense that their components could be dyed to change their color and the color of their light. I think Mojang could either make the decision to keep the light level emitted the same as it is currently, or make it so darker colour dyes lower the amount of light emitted versus lighter colours emitting a higher light level. Thanks for the continued entertainment, information and insight from your show, and keep up the great work. Prowl. So, uh, you don't need to sell me on coloured light sources, Prowl, I've been there. (laughs) I've I've been there, I've seen it, and it's a very good thing. And as we know, coloured light is one of the things that I've wanted in vanilla Minecraft for a while. And I think for this discussion I'm going to suspend my 
uh, my usual argument against this in vanilla, which is probably just it's really difficult to program <laughs> for vanilla lighting. Uh, but let's let's suspend that argument for a while because I think it's more fun to imagine what it'd be like if this was uh, implemented into the game. And yeah, I th I think colored lighting would be would really add a lot to just any environmental building that you were doing. And I think having the glow squid be part of that would make the glow squid like super relevant to builders gameplay in general uh how do you feel about colored lighting joel yeah i think this is a, would be a great idea i mean even if it's just changing the color of the block model like just to have a yellow end rod for i mean in, insert any kind of like modern use for like traffic light or you know um lights in a tunnel you know when you're going under a you know an overpass or something like that having things like that be colored instead of being just um white uh just open up the doors to all kinds of creativity i'm seeing a lot of trends you know with uh the leds that i've bought for my home behind my tv and in my studio uh the uh popularity of cyberpunk 2077 and minecraft rtx like there just seems to be a lot of neon and glowy stuff happening in video games right now yeah. and and i feel like um having colored light um while it might be trendy i'm okay with mojang getting on board with this trend like that would be very cool uh, i i try to mimic this a lot in my nether builds where i'll bury a light source in the ground to shine up from below to talk to your point earlier about you know th things in the nether being lit by lava from below and then i i, I call it glazing for the lack of a better way to describe it i'll put colored glass over a wall so you can't see where the glass begins i have a connected glass texture pack so that helps a considerable amount um, but you can turn a, a wall to have like a pink hue or a red hue or a yellow hue uh, and i find that that kind of like goes part way with creating that kind of colored light uh, idea uh, the the ability to change the color of sea lanterns and enterons i think would just be fantastic i i don't know about the part where you dive into changing the light level coming from these blocks depending on what color they are because yeah. that then limits um the the player in terms of like well if i want a purple block that's light like a purple sea lantern but i want a bright purple sea lantern i can't have one right yeah. because that would make all purple and all blue and black all low light levels and then everything bright would be um the yellows and the oranges and stuff like that and vice versa like if you wanted to put like a red lamp in a room and you didn't want it to emit light level 15 you'd be stuck you know so having them all emit the same light level as the source block that they're coming from i think is good um i just i wonder i wonder if there's a way um to just make it a little bit more feasible and again like it also opens up the floodgates of like you know what other kind of things if you're going to be able to use dyes to dye things that we couldn't dye before like how many other things can you use dye on um, yeah because i know that there was the uh what was it called the world of color update yeah that was 1.12 well that was uh yeah yeah i feel like the the world of color update maybe needs a little love because we've um and i i want to give a shout out to ethan z and disco creeper for sending in uh, emails very similar to to this one this week uh same sort of idea with regards to dye glow squid colored light that kind of thing and it just seems like it's a, it's it's something that players are talking about a lot but not just talking about in a whimsical like i really want this make it happen there's a lot of thought 
going into these emails that we're getting about yeah. colored light. Like people are like, I want this and I want to present this in a way that's potentially feasible <laughs> for, mm-hmm. for Mojang to consider it as feedback, you know? And, and I, I appreciate that. I think that's, um, it, it speaks to the seriousness of the desire for this kind of stuff in the game. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to be said for just adding different like texture packs to stuff. I feel like is something that you can do ordinarily but having it be supported by the vanilla game is something that's so desirable for people like you could retexture sea lanterns or glowstone or whatever any way you want and even in the rtx uh, pack that i'm using in kelly's rtx there is uh effectively an extra set of blocks that you can use for lighting in all colors of the rainbow if you also enable education edition features and just use some of the blocks that are normally intended for stuff like that uh, and and you just kind of bring those in because they don't really have any function for what we think of as you know generic vanilla survival minecraft you can you can pull from that all the time and just just having those blocks at your disposal is really nice but i think having a vanilla integration of this kind of thing could be really cool and you know i'm still crossing my fingers down the line that the technical stuff can be sorted out and that is the direction minecraft can take because i think just having worked with a little bit of light for a while i I lit up my enchanting room inside of the the house that i built as my kind of starter mansion in the rtx world i lit the enchanting room in blue and you just get a completely different vibe. Like suddenly it feels like this is where the magic happens, you know? Yeah. And yeah, I, I like that stuff a lot. E- even if it's not necessarily like fully realistic lighting, like God rays coming from the sun and, and reflections and all that kind of stuff, just a simple glow in a, an unnatural color of light, like green or a really vibrant purple or something can really add a lot to a build that you wouldn't expect if you'd been playing regular vanilla Minecraft for a long time. Mm-hmm. I think too that when I look at these kind of changes and people bring up texture packs, I think, well, that's sure I can change it with a texture pack, but I'm always sacrificing a block when I do that. Yeah, sure. Right? Like, sure. So a good example is that I've been thinking about using some custom stained glass textures in the medieval area on the Citadel because it would be nice to have that like iron worked stained glass kind of like texture yeah. uh, and not have it look like smooth modern glass all the time. And the problem there is that I very often have to go back to other builds in the world to get stone, to get andesite, to replenish my stocks and get more chicken or whatever. And it's a fun little server tour or mini walk through the server. And I get a lot of compliments when I walk through my nether hub, which has got a glass floor on it, uh, which if I didn't remember to turn off the texture pack before I go through the portal would look like it would have medieval texture on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, there's that kind of a thing where like with, with a vanilla supported um, ability to dye things like end rods or sea lanterns or glowstone, um, you'd have a lot more player control that would not rely on a texture pack being swapped in or out for either different areas, different builds, uh, that sort of stuff. I'm trying to remember if the quark mod did different color light sources because it sounds like the kind of thing that would have been added as like a a vanilla plus addition to minecraft is having a bunch of light sources of different colors i'm i'm fairly certain there are at least like blaze lanterns instead of sea lanterns that were like sea lantern stuff but made out of blaze powder and blaze rods and right uh just like a slightly different color to fit in with different types of builds but yeah i i do i do wonder if stuff like this has been added in mods before and i'm just 
scrolling through. Uh, there's the ability to craft a permanently lit redstone lamp as well in there, and I'm just like, yeah, why hasn't why hasn't that been done? I also feel like if they introduced coloured light, it'd be really great for uh, stuff like the new candles they're adding in 1.17, yep. which are a feature I almost always forget about until I'm just reminded of them by something else. Um, if those could emit slightly different colours of light, that'd be really neat. Except in instances where you're like, I don't want the room to be lit up bright green, but I would like to use green candles here, you know? So, yeah, I, I, th I think having it be controlled by the player has to be the solution to that, unless you create a light source from scratch that is specialized into having different colors of light well i think that makes sense in that you know a torch is going to give off you know if we're talking colored light a torch is going to give off orange light a soul fire torch is going to give off a blue light you know candles they have an orange flame so they would all give off the same kind of orangish light yeah. whereas yeah, if exactly. you're dying if you're dying the actual sea lantern and the block itself is like red green blue purple whatever then you'd have a better um you'd have a better control over it. And it would make sense, you know, like the things that you would expect to, because the candle, the wax in the candle is not what's giving off the light, it's the flame. Um, yeah. And I think that that would be, yeah. I, I, I like the idea. I, again, like it just, it gets into like, where do you put the limit on that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the slippery slope argument always mm -hmm. kind of <laughs> starts to trickle in as we go. It's like, how, if we can die this, then why not everything else in the game? <laughs> I want died planks so bad. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, moving on to the discussion this week, we actually have an email that kind of kicked this off, and it is from Beyonder Players Over Time. Hi, Johnny and Joel. I have been playing Minecraft for a long time, since early 2012. One of the largest changes I have noticed is the change in how players play the game. As I see younger generations get into the game, I see the play of the game uh, get much different in style than what we're used to. New players and the general climate of the game has changed. The general playstyle has transferred to a much more rushed slash grindy playstyle over chill. Uh, it seemed much more simplistic and doing tasks such as fighting the Ender Dragon or Wither were much more of a challenge rather than a step in progress in the game. Uh, for example, now the Ender Dragon is more mostly a fight segue towards elytra and shulker boxes i'm curious as to how you feel about the way the player climate has evolved over the years and whether you think these changes to climate are for the better or if you feel that people should slow down a bit love the show it's been an absolute staple in doing my work these times so you sir have played minecraft a lot longer than i have so i'm wondering if you've noticed any of these shifts that beyonder is mentioning yeah, I think probably the biggest change came with, as Beyonder pointed out here, the introduction of Elytra and an objective beyond the Ender Dragon. Uh, because along with, with Elytra and Shulker Boxes, you open up movable inventory and really fast travel throughout not just the overworld, but the nether as well. And to a certain extent, the end, although nobody really builds out in the end super far and travel in there generally is kind of difficult. I think there is definitely an incentive to play the game faster to get to those objectives. And it's not necessarily something you see all the time in single player because people can take the world at their own pace. But on multiplayer servers, there is always that feeling of if I don't go and fight the dragon soon, everybody else is going to get there and claim the shulker boxes and the elytra ahead of me. 
and then you don't get to have the same challenge of going and fighting the dragon and doing all of that stuff yourself because on a multiplayer server more likely than not people are just going to be selling elytra from a certain point and so you can make it easy for yourself and buy your way to that level of progression i think that's been the biggest change really to the pace of the game and before that the only real reason to kill the ender dragon was to say that you had done it and get a trophy item and then maybe unlock a dimension in which you could do some outer space builds or farm obsidian or um you know you, you could you could do a, a couple of other bits and pieces build an enderman farm but then i think with the end actually having additional objectives out there people want to get to that so they can be at end game sooner and there is mechanical progression required there and i i joined the game right before that update so i was you know just riding the wave of 1.8 into 1.9 when i i started on pc minecraft although i'd played the xbox edition which was felt like it was several versions back from that and so when i joined the server it was already in 1.8 when i joined decidedly vanilla they'd already killed the dragon and i didn't get to do the dragon fight again because you couldn't respawn the dragon back in those days there was no crafting end crystals and stuff like that that all got added in 1.9 so i've definitely seen the focus shift from just being well the overworld is where we do everything there's a bit of nether hub stuff but the nether also doesn't have very much to a much more even split of activities between dimensions and effectively you are denying yourself the content that the end provides until you go there and then there is a lot more for you to do in the nether as well so i feel like the game if nothing else has broadened in its scope to the extent that it encourages players to go and seek that stuff out as soon as they want to get hold of it yeah i definitely feel that I treat the dragon as like a stepping stone. Yeah. Uh, I feel, I know part of that is the way that I play the game and my lack of interest in a boss fight. Like I don't even like PVE in Minecraft. I do it because I find the survival game is more satisfying uh, and the farm building and all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't like the dragon fight. I find it tedious. Um, we still have to, to kill the dragon a few more times in the server and it, you know it's a decent change of pace some different stream content it's always funny you know there's something something unpredictable usually happens and it usually provides yeah. some good content but um like we've got these i don't know what you, i don't want to call them easy mode towers but i've got these siege towers in the end that are made of endstone that are these giant towers that you can just use a water elevator to get to the top of and shoot the regeneration crystals very easily um so we're not even really faced with much of a challenge with the with the ender dragon it's just a matter of you know luck do you get you know thrown off the cliff into the void or do you just do you manage to get through it um we just want to open up all the end gateways around the side of it uh and then as far as elytras and shulker boxes go like every once in a while we just erase the outer islands like we keep the hub we keep the main island we don't touch that but it's a very easy thing to just go out and and erase all of the end islands and regenerate that content um for for at least for me for servers and stuff and so i definitely treat it like a stepping stone i don't um i think for me the minecraft is still a pretty chill game i don't necessarily blitz through content but again you're going to get different answers from different people because i'm a content creator so if i blitz through content on my like if i just 
rip through a build and mine something out and grind something out in a couple of days. I mean, that could have been a couple of weeks of streams, you know? So I yeah. don't, t I mean, for you, for videos, you know, for content for, for survival guide too, like it's better. I think it's more enjoyable to take your time. Um, but that's also more of a subjective style of play for me. Uh, I'm also older. I mean, you, you and I are both older than the average Minecraft player. So I wonder if that has something to do with it too. You know, whether the, the, I'd be curious to see, I mean, I don't think Minecraft is going anywhere in terms of its longevity. So I'd be curious to see if like 15, 16 year olds that are playing the game now with the influence of games like Fortnite and, and PUBG and these other fast paced, you know, online games uh, that bleed over into Minecraft and PVP and the style at, at which people blitz through Minecraft. I wonder if those people are going to be playing it in the same pace when they're 21 you know, when they're yeah. 28, like mm -hmm. I, I, I'm curious because we have people now that, uh, so Minecraft came out, the beta was what, 2009, I think. Yeah. I mean the, the, the earliest edition of Minecraft that was published publicly was, yeah. uh, May 17th, 2009, which, right. uh, I, I only remember the date exactly because May 17th is also my birthday. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's uh, over 11 years old now. Yeah. And so people that are 31 were 18 you know people that are in their mid-20s were under 10 you know mm -hmm. in some cases uh so i'm curious as to how they play the game now so if you're someone that's been playing since beta uh and or or if you've been even playing in the last since like 1.9 came out and you're now you know up to 117 and you're four years five years older then let us know write us right into the show and let us know has your play style changed as you are now an adult with less time you know and hopefully you know more chill uh has that influenced the way that you play minecraft or do you sit down and still play it like you do when you were 12 um yeah it's 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 an interestingly subjective observation but also some really interesting data like it just it's it's it kind of skirts that you know objective subjective way of looking at minecraft yeah definitely i i would love to hear from more people about this because yeah i i can think of a couple of things especially in more recent developments that have changed a bit of the landscape as far as the way people play minecraft now and it's a lot of it is related to the youtube community growing and youtubers kind of rising to the top of you know top of their game and and becoming incredibly popular i'm thinking about the rise of technical minecraft as a more popular way to play the construction of things like automated farms and how easy uh redstone youtubers and technical youtubers lay out their tutorials for people now if you look at folks from you know mumbo to il mango uh there's a lot of very easy to follow tutorials out there that can you know make the game incredibly easy for you in terms of <laughs> gathering resources and so forth and and a lot of people tend to get to that stage quite quickly because they want to go as big as possible with their minecraft stuff and more often than not people might end up getting bored with that approach because they aren't pacing themselves and they get burnt out building some of these more intensive farms or they farm all of this stuff just because they know it's possible but then they don't really have an end goal in mind for what to do with it but you still find people finding the most efficient way to play which is often a fairly fast way to play and then 
more recently, I think, although it's obviously been going on for a very long time, I think the emergence of speedrunning as a popular form of Minecraft play has, I think, now led to more people rushing through the game because they see some of the people they enjoy watching doing that. Uh, you know, there are going to be people who see people beating Minecraft and killing the dragon in, you know, less than 30 minutes and they think, well, okay, I'm going to emulate that style of play and do that. And whether that's a world that persists, or in the case of speedrunners, usually it's just that world is deleted and they move on to whatever the next attempt is. But you're still going to find that that sort of rushing, breathless way of going through the game is appealing to a lot of people, just in terms of the, the technical execution required for it, but also just getting to that objective and seeing the end credits as fast as possible. And the, the rush of you know, maybe being on pace to, to beat the game faster than you ever have before. So I think Minecraft as a community is so broad that it's very easy to zero in on things like that. And as prominent as they are and as talked about, as discussed as they are right now, approaches like speedrunning and technical Minecraft are going to be like at the forefront of everyone's minds. But it's important to remember the community is, you know, hundreds of millions of people <laughs> at this stage and there are going to be all sorts of people who are taking things at their own pace just because that's not necessarily popular right now there are still people playing the game that way and absolutely so uh if you look at tinfoil chef who's a member of the hermitcraft server and compared to the others his style is incredibly different he spends a lot of his time branch mining he's an older dude and he likes to just play the game at his own pace acquire resources and has kind of perfected the branch mining approach to just gathering huge amounts of stuff between episodes. And yeah, he plays the game a lot slower than the other folks on Hermitcraft who are building enormous tree houses and, you know, huge bases and redstone stuff and automatic automatic potion brewers for everything and that kind of stuff. And even within a community like that, you have people who are doing things at a very different pace. So I think the the breadth of Minecraft dictates that there is really you know, while you might see anecdotally, like you said, an approach to the game that is quickening in pace, there are still people who want to to play it slowly. The fact is you can do both. Minecraft yeah. is a game that allows for such a variety of approaches. And I think, too, that it's was important to note, and I believe that um, Beyonder mentioned this in their email and the way that they phrased it, is that, you know, the generations that I see play the game, uh, to quote their email, and that's the thing. Like, this is what you're seeing. The amount of people that play Minecraft and generate Minecraft content compared to the broader player base, it's a fraction. Like it, yeah. So you're looking at the very loud, very visible minority in terms of the folks that are, are playing at that breakneck speed that seems to be increasing. Uh, whereas I'd be curious if uh, there would be like a, a survey, you know, of just a larger player base uh, and just to find out... Um, age demographics, the speed at which they play the game, what they like to do and how they like to play. And sure, it's all going to be personal, but I think there would be probably some trends. And I think that the game is probably still pretty chill across the board when you look at the, the, the big picture compared to the Minecraft uh, content creator. Because how much of the Minecraft content creator is less influenced by Minecraft and more influenced by YouTube and the pace yeah. of YouTube videos, right? Not so much gameplay in Minecraft, but the the information transfer that happens in most YouTube videos and and viewer retention and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
it's an, it's an interesting kind of switch back and forth. So that said, uh, if you are starting a new world for a new game, provided it's not for the survival guide, like if you were doing something uh, and say it wasn't a, a, a speed run, how, how would you approach it? Like, would you go straight for the dragon's throat or would you be given this as the, you know, I'm not, I'm sure how many times you've started over again in Minecraft, but like what, like what would be your approach for, for playing something new now? Well, we can take the RTX series as an example of that because I, I restarted that recently. It's only five episodes in. I've probably spent about five or six hours total in that world, probably a little bit more. And I'm taking that from the approach of wanting to establish myself in the world first, wanting to build a, a decent-sized house, acquire resources, acquire tools, equipment, that kind of stuff, and at least get to myself to the point where I have you know, a, a couple of pieces of backup equipment in case I die and that kind of thing. And I'm, if I'm playing the long game, I'm thinking a lot more about my vision for what I want to build rather than objectives like going and killing the dragon. Killing the dragon has never really been the point of the game for me. I think the way it is for some people. And that's because I really treat Minecraft more as a, a building experience than anything else. Even though I've got a more broad approach to gameplay now, I think I'm still at my heart a builder. And so, yeah, I, f I find myself much more interested in resource gathering and exploration and that kind of stuff. So I, I won't think of rushing the dragon right away. It's, it's not convenient, though, shulker boxes and elytra are. It's not going to be my, my immediate focus where I, I imagine some people just want the flexibility because then even if you are a builder, getting elytra and shulker boxes means you can bring everything with you and go and search for the ideal location to start your base instead of compromising on whatever's you know around you when you start the game to begin with so i can see a couple of different approaches there um i mean in your case you've done a couple of smaller uh, bits and pieces of single player play but the citadel has been your home for the longest time how about you where, where, what path do you see yourself starting well, and that's the thing. I was thinking about the single-player world that I started specifically with the Nether update, right? Because that yep. was the easiest and quickest way to get into the new Nether content on stream and explore it in a survival situation. And of course, with that particular playthrough, I was rushing to get to the Nether. I was just, I wanted a little bit of armor, a little bit of iron, and I wanted, of course, enough obsidian to make a portal and that kind of stuff. And uh, then immediately paid the price of not being ready for the nether, right? Because I rushed yeah. there and then I got my butt handed to me. And plus it was new and I didn't really know what to expect and how to traverse. And, and I think a little bit of that was also the bleed over of having a three-year-old world at the time where I had end game armor, end game gear, and I was used to being a little OP, you know, compared to um, having not much armor and very, you know, small weapons with no enchants going into the nether, you realize very quickly, you're, it takes a lot more work. You have to be a lot more careful. Um, so it would take a brain shift, but I find that even with that playthrough, my decision-making as to what I was going to go to do next was more about like, well, I'm still a builder at heart. And if I want to do this, then I want either a shulker box or I want quartz or like my decision to go into the next stage of the game is usually like, ah, I, this block would be perfect for this. I don't have that yet. <laughs> like I need, you know, if that's the case, I need a brewing stand. And like, there's all these different things where like, you know, you want to go to the, to the, um, to the end to get something. And you're just like, oh wait, I haven't beaten the dragon. That means that when I go to the end, I'm going to have to fight the dragon. So like, there's all these things that kind of creep up in there. Um, same thing with, um, uh, 
just gameplay in general, like I find that my speed and what I do in the game, you're talking earlier about technical builds. I, I play until I get to the point where I need a lot of something. And then it's like, okay, do I want to spend hours mining this? Or do I want to try to find, you know, like a spawner or something like, do I want to make, how do I get bone meal? Like, how, do I want to do all those composting stuff? Or do I want to just find a skeleton spawner and set us, you know, a, a spawner up immediately. And I find that what I rush to do are the things that I find tedious. So I want an auto crop farm or I want an auto XP farm or I want, you know, something that's going to give me materials very quickly. Doesn't necessarily matter what that material is, but I want bone meal so I can grow trees quickly and not have to just clear cut areas and stuff like that. Uh, I find that that's what motivates my game speed is like, what blocks do I need? What blocks can I get quickly? which will reduce the tedium of like branch mining and stuff. I ran into that actually in my modded playthrough with all of Fabric 3. I was reaching this bottleneck where like all of the mods needed basic Minecraft ingredients like redstone and lapis and iron. I'm just like, crap. I've been so wrapped up in this mod and exploring this new mod, I haven't started a mine. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm, I'm many days into this Minecraft playthrough and I didn't have a branch mine. So... I find that it's, I'm definitely block motivated, like a food driven human. I'm a block driven Minecraft player. <laughs> uh, looking at Beyonder's email here, just about back in the older times in beta and 1.0, I was curious and went to the Minecraft wiki to look up when some features got added to the game. And 1.0, like the, f the first initial release of Java was the first time you had a dragon to fight, nether fortresses started to appear, stuff like that. And I've gone through a couple of change logs and just like the the history and how it's documented on the Minecraft wiki is so great. There's just like a table of when features were added, when they were modified, when any changes happened to this stuff. And looking at it, upside down stairs weren't even added until 1.2.1. Wow. So I think the reason that you see a difference in pace and people rushing to certain objectives is just that there's anything at all to do in the game now. Um, like you, you look at the amount of blocks that people want, and if you if you don't want to build your house just out of oak wood and cobblestone, you have to play at a different pace because you have to go searching for biomes that are gonna give you other things. You know that if you want to start a house and not build with just the materials that are around you when you spawn in, then you're going to need to go further afield. And yeah, I, I think that is potentially why. If you have, you know, the foresight to think of like, I'm going to build something out of Prismarine uh, in whatever iteration of the world you happen to be in, you're going to need a Guardian farm for that, which means rushing an ocean monument before you can really start to build the thing that you've had any kind of focus on. So, yeah, I, I think since the 1.0 days of Java Edition, people have just been given more and more to do. And maybe that has balanced the pace of things, but I really feel like the pace of things has warped and shifted a little bit. You know, the, the, the breadth of the game has expanded to the point where rushing these objectives that might have been the end game for people in 1.0 is still just the beginning of the game for everybody else. Uh, that is probably where we're going to wrap up this episode of the Spawn Chunks. But uh, once again, would love to get some more emails about this discussion topic. I find it fascinating to hear 
anybody's history with Minecraft at all. So uh, let us know via email. Uh, in the meantime, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me. The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, please consider putting some value back in. You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community. Pledging at any level there gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show recorded live and it gets us closer to our next goal which is having a monthly minecraft audio hangout where our patrons and i uh, and us would just uh, join a, a chat much like this one and we'd be able to discuss what everyone had been doing in their own minecraft lives the way we do at the top of the show every week uh, we're currently at 225 patrons which is up from last week and special thanks go out to our content engineers we're welcoming a new content engineer patron this week fazu battlecaster has joined their ranks alongside general pattern 82 greener canuck hunter 555 Jumbo Sale and Yitz. Thank you for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. It's free. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram to share those posts around. But a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast. Just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and tell them about The Spawn Chunks and where they can go to listen. Where might that be? You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Really, wherever you can find a podcast. You can email the show just like Prowl and Beyonder at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page and that's where you can listen to the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I also stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for the Survival Guide, building more biome dioramas, and I'm also planning on starting a 100% run of Stardew Valley, just for something a little bit different. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap. You can find that project through a quick search on YouTube. And aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online everything that i'm doing online including my illustration and design portfolio is at joelduggan.com you can listen to my other podcast the sizzle cafe at the that's all about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment and you can follow me on social media at joel duggan twitch same thing same name i'm really easy to find been playing a lot of minecraft lately and look to that to continue thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite but it's moving one block at a time